0: done
1: (laughs) okay ready to go what kind was it though lucky charms
0: no shit it sucked it was honey bunches of oats
1: oh we've got a bunch of that generic stuff my wife gets that it's generic though
2: it sounded a lot better than something generic like that
0: the trick you got the trick is you gotta freaking put you gotta do like two-thirds milk one percent and then you gotta dump like heavy whipping cream on top and then about two (sighs) tablespoons of fucking sugar then it's good.
2: (laughs)
1: let's <laughs> make a thick cream out of the milk dude it's awesome try it that's a good one we'll have to test that out i will too okay all right dude we're gonna i'm gonna mute everybody out here and then i'm yep. gonna do the little bit of intro you hear me talk and then i'll introduce you and we'll be golden perfect all right cool here we go What's up guys? Uh, today's been pretty hectic. We actually just got back from an elk meeting with the sdgf and P. A SDGF&P, A little bit of depredation talk and some uh, going over the the guidelines and what they plan on doing for elk numbers this year. But this is the podcast where we break it down fellas. We go into detail with the equipment that we use and how we use it application specific. I'm your host James O'Neill. We have John O'Neill with us as co-host and our goal is to get as many subject matter experts online with us as we can so you guys can learn more, we can learn more and we can all benefit and me be more proficient with the information. We've got a special guest today, Aaron Davidson from Gunworks, and we've really had the pleasure Of working with them over the past year and a half or so and you know we'll we'll go into a little bit detail on my personal experiences with their stuff and what I think about the situation I mean they make awesome equipment but let's talk to Aaron first so Aaron we're jacked to have you on we've had a lot of guys that are really excited for this podcast Uh, we'll keep it however long you want doesn't matter to us we can hammer this out in 30 minutes or an hour and a half but why don't you Go into detail about basically who you are, how, and why, and when you started Gunworks.
0: Okay. Um, Aaron Davidson, I am the CEO and founder of Gunworks. We started Gunworks in 2006. Um, The goal was to create... Turnkey systems touching all the different aspects of of the the rifle shot. So we're talking rifles, optics, ammunition, you know, range finding, support equipment, et cetera. Like anything that helps you make that shot, that's our business. So why, when, and how is I had been working my ass off for a couple of years, saved up about 150 G's, and said, "Screw it, I'm done." with construction i'm done with this other stuff so my uh, education in engineering kind of set me up to really understand uh, a lot of the really technical stuff about long-range shooting you know manufacturing rifle systems accuracy precision all that stuff
1: uh how so like how long would you how long ago would you say that was when you really got into it when you started uh, uh really getting into detail building the rifles and and kind of take us along where start sure. to, to start to where you are now you know like sure
0: sure so i i went to school to become an electrical engineer which is really stupid i don't know why i i was into cars like i built hot rods when i was in high school and then i got married right out of high school and my wife and i had all sorts of hot rods i mean my daily driver for the first couple of years of college, was a 1964 Impala Supersport, and the reason why I drove that is because my 1969 Camaro was always torn apart in pieces, and I was trying to soup this motor up or fix this or do that, but I, I was building cars, and, and I'd spray cars, I would build motors, I would do all that stuff, so mechanically inclined. Again, don't know why I picked electrical engineering, but that wore out quick. And I switched my major to mechanical and then kind of along the way, started a family, started having some kids, started running out of cash and started selling cars and long Laram- Laramie winners, you know, started making more kids, but also had a lot of trips to the range and uh, and really got into guns and, and started exploring reloading, started exploring uh, you know, building rifles, you know, m- making things better, you know, running into issues. In, in fact, in in Laramie, I mean, this is probably, 19, probably 1999, uh, I presented to w- one of my classes, I presented a product that I proposed would be revolutionary. And I'm such an engineering nerd, I had my TI 89 super calculator and I wrote a little code for it and showed how you could, you know, take inputs for a ballistic, you know, um, shot and you could calculate it right there and it would spit out a solution. I mean, this is before smartphones. Um, This is, I mean, this is so far back that way ahead, way ahead of the industry and, you know, where people were thinking. The freaking instructor says, well, that's stupid. That's a stupid idea. If I'm going to shoot at something, I'll just shoot, and then wherever it hits, I'll just hold that much higher, way faster. I mean, what an idiot, right? I mean, look at where we are today with ballistic equipment, with calculators, solvers, you know, tech gear, everything. It's really exciting. But I, that's where I got into it, and and I was working my way through college doing, you know, uh, construction stuff. So I would make seventy-five G's a summer and put it in the bank, you know, spend it all winter, and then go back to work. And it, it was pretty cool, but I kind of couldn't get a job when I graduated that would even compete with that type of money in that short of time. So I said, screw it, I'm just gonna do my own thing. And I, I did that for a few more years and then built up that nest egg. And, and again, so in the guns, I'm like, I just gotta do this, I've gotta start building. Uh, the first gun I built was on an Naseka Bay Action, I uh, used a, a high-tech specialty stock, and a um, uh, Leopold scope, and did a, a Magnum Seven, basically the precursor to that Seven LRM. And that gun was light, and it hurt to shoot, and you could shoot a long ways, and kind of was the it was the beginning.
1: And from where you were then to where you are now, I mean, we, we've got a rifle here that's on the table that we actually worked with you guys on the design work that we dubbed the Maraud IR for night hunting. And the, the amount of, of ingenuity that you guys have designing, like, even your own stocks mm-hmm. and your own actions, the capabilities. What, what were some of the, the introductory rifles that you guys started with, say, 10 years ago? Compared Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, what you guys were marketing. Here's the thing. I always, I watched you guys. I've been seeing, I've seen you guys on TV for probably from the beginning. I mean, I I don't know if I would use the word, would the word pioneering be, be the wrong term regarding long range hunting
0: that you guys kind Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Not that we're not the first guys and, and there's not one pioneer, but we definitely pushed it. We published it, we showed it happen, and, and we built our entire brand on kind of being first to market with that total system that allowed people with relatively little capability and experience to do f- frickin' awesome stuff because we took all the guesswork out of it.
1: I got you. So going back to some of those rifles, say for example, give us a rundown on one of your, just, I'm curious, on one of your rifles 10 years ago, just say a decade ago, what were you? How what were you doing? What were you putting together? What were you doing to the rifles? How were you kicking them out the door? About that time frame,
0: yeah. So ten years ago, we were we were actually running a real business and starting to grow. Um, that first rifle system that we built was called the Long Range Hunter. Uh, we eventually called that the LR One Thousand. We did a stock design that took like classic American stock and said, basically analyzed, okay, well, here's what we're trying to achieve with a rival stock. And, you know, I think a lot of guys just completely skip that step. They say, well, geez, I want it to look like a Macmillan or geez, I want it to look like this, you know, fancy old Woodstock. And they, they skip the step that says, well, wait a minute, what is this supposed to do what can we change and how do those changes affect what the stock does? And if if you go through that little exercise, y- you can really quickly get to some design geometry that's kind of special. So that LR1000 uh, stock had a few things that broke you know, traditional stock design, for example, negative comb. And the look is exceptional, but the function is also there as well. And, and we try to keep a lot of this kind of stuff on the down low because everybody emulates the leader. We technically are the leader in this space, and people emulate us and, and do what we're doing. And if they're not smart enough to figure it out on their own, they might be smart enough to just do what we're doing and receive the same benefit. And we've started to see some of that, you know, pick up. But that stock really w- – drove that whole product and we would build about a 10-11 pound gun, you know, run a five to twenty optic on there. And we would we basically did six five two eighty four and seven rem mag were the two calibers we did. And that that product was exceptional. I mean we have people that still have those. I've got one hunter that has one of those that has killed world records all over the world. I mean just I, I think unbelievable amount of spend and i just i i always see these trophy pictures with this gun i'm like dude it's time to upgrade let's do it and we'll make you a deal we'll put this thing we'll plate this thing in gold and make it a trophy that you can put in your gun case and and we'll get you something that's a little more cutting edge but he he literally when he points it it dies and so he doesn't want to touch or change anything but that that gun was pretty pretty special uh we did the optic we oem'd one from japan uh we did kind of some software that would customize the ballistic turrets and we caught a lot of flack from the hardcore long range shooters at the time because they're like you can't use bdc turrets to shoot long range but we built hundreds of rifles and created our entire business off of a custom bdc turret because it's so easy to use and in in 2011 we pushed out the new uh BR series rangefinders the first rangefinder in the whole world that combined range finding and ballistic solver in one device so that that pretty much changed the game and and cut the legs out from under anybody that wanted to complain about ballistic turrets because now it would correct for pressure temperature inclination and give you a shoot to solution so th- that was kind of the capstone for that initial project so we had the scope we had the rangefinder we had the rifle system the ammunition and we could give our customers that turnkey product that literally would let you just dial and shoot to a thousand plus yards with full confidence so that's about the state of the art uh 10 years ago was that product
2: What is what kind of technology were you using to build your components back then? I mean, as opposed to what you're using now,
0: like, uh, yeah. So, that that gun, that gun used, we used Jerry Stiller, like early on, we said, Hey, Jerry, you want to help us out with an action? So, we, we, you know, we white labeled an action and, you know, we worked with him to make a few changes. Um, I, I have to admit, some things I get really excited about and just totally nerd out on, and some things I think are just, they're just utilitarian. They have to do their job. And other than that, I don't care. Actions are one of those areas. Um, we ran into, you know, functionality that we felt was holding back, uh, you know, on our customers. You know, basically our customers can have a slightly better product if we change a few things, mainly ejection, extraction, um, and bolt feeding you know, bolt lift, bolt cycling, just really simple touch points. So we did an action design shucks about eight years ago. We started that project. We, it seems like we just barely have it under control, but, but we broke the mold on, we did uh twin. Uh
1: We got a drop on that.
0: We'll
1: get it. We'll get, we'll get, but we'll, I'll, I'll be able to splice. Hey, um, you should grab me real quick while I get him back on. You should grab me a, uh, um, a, uh,
2: oh yeah, one of those,
1: a, a pen and paper. I'll write some stuff down. Aaron, sorry. Hey, no worries, dude. So- I, I'm in. I'll tell you what, real quick. I was in. I'm in a spot right now where I'm up in in the top of the house. Usually, we have pretty good service, and we're supposed to have a, uh, a cell phone tower that's up. Lights are running and everything, but. They don't have her working yet so if we have a drop call easy enough we can get her yeah. spliced and easy just, enough yeah you, you were on you were just we we lost you right where you said yep. uh your yeah action yep, yep exactly
0: so uh so we so we did about eight years ago we did a new action design and we we did a twin cocking cam you know buried extractor double plunger ejector board and bumps product that just focused on what it's supposed to do, which is feed and eject a shell. And, you know, the way we do our chassis, like our stock chassis with our mechanical wedge, we wanted that integral recoil lug. And so we, we did this action, put it out there, and it's just, it's taken us a few years to refine all the dimensions and geometry instead of just copying Remington and using Remington compatible parts. It did slow us down, but that, the action's cool. But I, I mean, to me, the, the real technology in the rifle system is how you manipulate the weight of the gun and the way you create stock designs and other tools that can influence the recoil impulse and your ability you know to follow through to follow up you know to to get steady to get lined up all of those things matter a lot more than some goofy action feature that may or may not give you an advantage but we, you know, we, we do focus on those things that matter for sure.
1: So that was, I mean, you're ta- what, what kind of, when you were talking about, you know, in that decade or so ago with the, the stock, the, the, the stiller actions that you were running with, what kind of barrel were you, I mean, or did you? I'll tell
0: you back then the, the barrel was a broton That thing was awesome. But as we got bigger, those guys couldn't supply us they, it just they, he just wasn't set up to do business with them with a real manufacturer like us because of just throughput issues and cash flow issues for them. We used a lot of Bart lines there for a long time, and th- like when those guys kind of were first going and you know hustling, we we did use a lot of Bart lines. Um, and then and then we as we grew, we we ended up using a lot of Rock Creek, and those guys did really well for us for quite a while. Um, as the carbon barrel thing became popular, we used a lot of proof. and uh, and you know, as you grow and expand, you find ways to vertically integrate and ways to control your product. And you know right now, you know barrels are kind of our horizon. Like we've taken on the composites and the turning and a lot of the barrel manufacturing processes. and we have a lot of control over that product now. and it's, it's pretty exciting because it gives us it gives us a lot more, um, consistency in the product that we turn out.
1: So come from, from your older models 10 years ago to what you guys are pushing out now. Uh, is there, is there th- certain things that we can elaborate on? Like I know when, when Keith and I went to Cody and met with you guys a couple, a year and a half ago or so And in, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be honest. I run a lot of different stocks. I've got manners, bell and Carlson, uh, McMillan, you name it, I've I've used a lot of them, and I'm I'm really honestly, I tell the guys the truth. Partial to manners, I like the feel, I, I mm-hmm. like the options that they have. And mm-hmm. when we went to you, when we went up to you guys, and and and, I mean, I wasn't sure what we were in for, but you had us hold the climber. We got to take a look at some of the new stocks that you guys were developing, and you kind of went through that process. I was, it's really hard for me to uh, explain to guys. The feel of that stock until you get it in your hand, because it's almost like it's not even there. Go, let's let's talk about the process of of the climber, the Magnus, the verdict. Some some like I said, some of the processes in what each one is really designated for. So some of these guys are really getting into it. I'm seeing a lot of guys on sniper side that are actually pre ordering. They want to order your stocks. there's, they're just starting to kind of get out there in guys, so yeah. they can do custom builds. Let's talk about that yeah. real quick.
0: Yeah. So we're so just just to talk about our business pro- process in general, we're really excited to fulfill like anybody's need for parts, pieces, services, or complete systems. You know, selling actions, selling stocks doesn't necessarily contribute a significant amount of dollars to the bottom line but for us it's like we want to share the cool things that we've discovered with everybody and if you can't afford a, a full boat system or better yet you have the ability and skill you know to save the dollars and do a lot of DIY perfect i mean we want to we want you as a customer as well so we do sell stocks um we do sell actions You know, the barrel program right now, we're just barely able to keep up with our consumption internally, but that eventually will will get big enough that we can start selling barrels. Um, And so we we do want to provide, you know, those uh, component pieces for people. But we did the LR1000 stock, and there's this little gap that we haven't discussed, which is a Magnus product. So our Gen 1 Magnus stock, we went a little radical on some of the design geometry and found kind of some limits or trade-offs and and used that product for a long time. And it makes a really cool gun. Um, When we developed this latest series, let's call it, of uh, or family of rifle stocks, the Climber, the Magnus Gen 2, and the Verdict, when we developed those three stocks, we did all of them at once. So we took all of our knowledge um all of the things that we had experienced in the lr 1000 and the Magnus you know all of our use case um you know the the hundreds of uh hunting opportunities that we've had etc we took all of that stuff and we wrapped it up and said okay so how are we going to design these and rather than say well we want it to look like the manners grip and we want it to have so and so's fore end and this and that we did the same exercise all over again and said okay what do we want to achieve with these with these products so and how can we manipulate the design geometries to achieve optimization for these products and and then and furthermore we said what are these products for or who is the the uh, persona you know that these products are for so the climber stock is for the dedicated you know mountain hunter like that was what we built that product for. You're going to build, you know, a six-five or a seven millimeter, and you know, and I'm I'm a short barrel guy. We've been pushing short barrels for a long time. Back when long range was thirty-two inch barrels, we were running twenty fours, and now we're running twenties or eighteen. So we're short barrel guys. So that four ends optimized for short. The gun was designed to be compact, lightweight, stable on a backpack, usable on a bipod and and really quickly adjust your elevations and to be able to absorb that recoil and follow through and control it you a couple things on light guns that are interesting is you wrap your thumb around a grip you're going to cause inconsistencies shot to shot take like a little Kimber awesome little gun super lightweight hard to control guys grip up and then they get these these shots that steer all over the target um that's kind of where that comes from. So we've we've intentionally created shapes that force you to adopt uh body controls that you know give you point of impact consistency. And that's really important with when you bust up a hill and you got a, a stone sheep that's gonna cost you forty-five thousand dollars for that next shot and you throw down and have seconds to make it happen, you know. First of all, you're not shooting a 15 pound gun; it's a six pound gun, and and it's not a statistical hit or miss the target. It's a you, you kill that sheep, or you wound that sheep, or you miss that sheep. I mean, you you've got those one one chance to make it happen. So 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 taking that persona and that stock design, optimizing the grip, etc. Then what's the next one? Basically, you got to have this universal long range hunting product um you know here's the you you might want to run the 300s you know or dip into a 338 once in a while control that recoil handle big, bigger barrel contours still balance so we kind of optimized that one and then we said okay now we've got this tactical you know the the competitive shooting products were you know something that we wanted to look at and so we did the verdict so it could cross over in between that elr or PRS space, et cetera. And it's fairly configurable. So it's it's got a lot of features there that work for any of those personas. And you've got some side benefits. Like you would say that that climber makes a really cool, handy tactical build you know with detachable bottom metal and and all that stuff and and so all those all those stocks can cross over into some other spaces but when we put them together and we identified you know dimensional geometries and grip styles and and you know functional aspects it was done with that you know those personas and all the other models in mind so you don't you don't run into a lot of crossover between those three
1: i got you Uh, so that, that covers the stocks pretty, pretty effectively is how much can you talk about? Um, I mean, you do you think that we covered your actions that here? Let's, let's talk about that real quick because we're running all of the rifles that we have from you and we've ran all of them except for basically the Magnus stock. We've got a couple climbers; they are kind of tacked out with the bottom metal. I'm looking at a verdict right here. That's that's, I, I really love the design of that all of our actions have titanium actions. You offer a couple different options, titanium and stainless steel. What are some of the, what are, besides those two uh, components, those two materials, what are some of the differences that your actions may have from other manufacturers out there?
0: You know what? Uh, That's one of those areas where, you know, we're glad to to pull things in that work. Um, You know, one of the pioneers in action space is Jim Borden. And Jim did a a treatment on a bolt called a Borden bump, where you essentially tighten up when you close the bolt. Uh, We we did pull in that um, uh, feature uh, with Jim's permission. Uh, A side note, we do a really cool uh, 1911 style extractor that fits in under the bolt. And I mean, we've built. more than 10,000 actions over a long time and never had a extractor failure kind of interesting, but uh, Jim, Jim Borden has bought a lot of those extractors from us in the past. So we've, we, you know, we have worked together and, and, you know, he was aware that we use that feature and even kind of gave him some homage by pointing out that they were Borden bumps. But the, the key thing that I looked at was extraction has to, kick a shell straight out the sh- side so we we put that extractor in the lug so it's not like an m16 that goes on top where it tries to kick your shell up it's it's right in line with the lug and when you pull a shell back it kicks it straight out the side so that was a big thing for us and then we did a twin caulking cam it you know on a remington you just have that single caulking cam on the back of the bolt we've got a double and the goal here was to get a really light bolt lift But instead of going the surgeon route where you do a light spring, heavy firing pin, what we wanted to do was get uh, a light bolt lift, but still maintain, you know, a good lock time um, and and enough striking energy. We never had failures with, uh, uh, you know, standard primers. So, so that did achieve that result and it was a son of a gun getting the geometry and the machining and all that to work out right. But that, that proved out to be a good concept. Um, as far as the rest of the action goes, integral lugs pretty important for us, but the rest of it's Remington 700 platform. Um, we did kind of an interesting screw arrangement so we could do a really low profile, um, Picatinny weaver compatible base. Uh, and then obviously did the full Picatinny rail and then some cool, uh, one-piece, you know, ring-based combination sites, everything with MOA built in. So that was was kind of a decision that maybe we've regretted a little bit because you use one of our actions, you use our scope rings or our scope bases. Not a lot of aftermarket options there, but the action works really good. We're very pleased with it. Um, Material-wise, you know, we did the stainless and titanium. We did a two-piece a kind of a stripped down version of that, um, a few years ago. So it was, a. Uh, it's got a lug with some tabs on it that locks up without pins. It, we skipped the fluting, um, kind of kept it pretty simple. Uh, one plunger ejector and we ended up with an action. We were able to sell for like 800, 850, I think. And, and kind of challenged all the action guys to, meet us and everybody did pretty quickly so i I like to think that we forced everybody not forced but we challenged everybody to bring you know a really competitive action to the marketplace and uh it did a lot of good for all the small builders out there but that that that's a pretty cool uh product um a lot of interest in integral rail stuff so you know we've got that same action body um with an integral rail uh, on its way and so, again, we'll just keep optimizing and, and kind of tuning those up a little bit. But in general, I think actions are great as long as they work good. And, and if, if they work good, then that's, that's cool. If you look at innovative stuff in our space, you got to go look at uh, American Rifle Company and look at some of the products those guys kick out. Truly you, trying to create designs that are innovative or that draw on heritage from other stuff and i really like those products but the truth is if they feed and eject and mount everything squarely that's really all an action needs to do
2: yeah i've heard a lot of people say some incredible things about ted over dark
0: yeah
1: yeah like it um let's let's uh how, how elaborate can you get on your barrels or, or should we go there? Can you, can we, sure, can we do sure. jump so,
0: in? Mm-hmm. Let's, Fine. So,
1: so the let's, let's just talk about it. Let's see what, what do you have in store? What's your plans? What do you think is going to happen?
0: Well, so we, we, you know, to further our control over our product, um, barrels is something that we've looked at for a long time. We've had some great partners in the past that we've worked with, but, um, this last year, it was time for us to, you know, make some changes so that we could grow and expand and and react quicker. Here's a good example. We did a uh, blaster uh, skunkworks project this last month. I don't know if you saw that, but it was a fold-up pistol that had a 12-inch barrel on it, one of our cans, aluminum chassis, AR grip, etc., pistol brace, um, and we we sold it with a A tripod kit in a backpack in a cardboard tube. It was a really cool package. Um, Sold out all of them real fast. But we developed that barrel and that barrel wrapping in just in days. Like we were able to say, "This is what we want to do. Here's how we want to do it." We did the design, you know, you know, did the contouring, did everything, and then boom, here's this product. When you when you have the ability to manufacture in house and and capacity right i mean time also is important but you can be really really responsive sometimes hopefully oh, it would be nice if it was all the time but sometimes you can be really responsive and bring some new stuff quickly and that was a good example and 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 the other thing that you get um by controlling your manufacturing is you can say hey look we know that if we you you know run a little sloppy on our on our land or groove you know dimensions that it'll still shoot good and maybe it'll shoot a little faster but if we tighten things up then we can be even more consistent and so you know we can experiment with some things and then land on where we want to be and then produce exactly what we want and we can hold it as tight as we want to pay for and then if if you're dealing with the supplier then you always have those issues of of you know they kind of have their ideas about the way things should work and how much they want to spend controlling you know different aspects of quality and so um for us you know getting control of that is probably the most significant step that we've made in our history i even more so i think than you know a lot of the engineering uh capability and work that we've created or produced you know over the past four or five years
1: so on your barrels that you plan on 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 marketing here are are, are you are we going to be looking at stainless steel carbon fiber wrapped both what's the what are we yeah, looking so at we for... can
0: we can do we can do any any contour um we have our set contours we have three carbon contours that we like to work with um there's you know, a bunch of steel ones that we do, but for our, most of our customers, I mean, we're doing a lot of carbon. I mean, it, we're, we're really, really, really high percentage of carbon in our company. So I, I see a lot of carbon stuff getting done.
1: Uh, the contours can t- tell us about the, con- a lot of guys I, I know I am, I, I like the shorter, heavier contour. What are you going to be working with on those for, for, yeah.
0: So, so basically addressing a few of the things that we've experienced in the past, um, we wanted a contour that was tailored exactly to those three different stock platforms and personas that we've created. And and so there's, you know, call it a small, medium, large, or light, me- light, medium, heavy, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and so we, we've got those contours, but another thing that we've changed, which is a real pain in the ass in the manufacturing side, is the muzzle diameter stays constant at any length that you create the barrel. And so if you have a, a thread cap or a muzzle brake or muzzle device or whatever, y- you can expect a 20 inch or an 18 inch or 16 inch or a 24 inch, you'll have the same you know muzzle diameter, the same OD. And so it makes your interface with all your other stuff a little easier. I mean, every it makes the stock inletting more difficult. It makes the the wrapping and grinding more difficult. It makes all this stuff more difficult, but it also, you know, makes a pretty, a pretty cool product.
1: Do you want to go into detail on on uh, like like your your what what twist rate options you're gonna have? What your riflings are groove wise? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so for uh, we're doing four land and groove right now. Um, that's kind of where we've landed. Some really interesting things we've found over the years with chambering and uh, chamber tools and stuff that kind of drive us to make some of those decisions. Um, probably the, the the hardest thing that we do as a manufacturer is we make guns that shoot our ammunition, not the other way around. So we, we don't make ammunition that shoots in our guns. That technically... Anybody can do that. You stuff a reamer in a barrel and you tailor a load that works in that system. It's like, great, perfect, done. But with our customers, they're able to come to us and buy ammo today that works in their gun from five years ago or vice versa. And that's a pretty big deal to, to be able to maintain that. Um, and for our customers to expect that now, you know, somebody that likes to wear out barrels, obviously he's got some other challenges he's, just, he's got to deal with, but guys that, you know, you know, use these firearms to hunt and, and to do a light recreational shooting. It's like that consistency is a really big thing. And so, so to do that, you, you almost can't just use, you know, so-and-so's reamer spec because different reamers cut differently, different grinds are, different serial numbers on reamers cut differently and controlling that relationship to the uh, chamber shoulder headspace dimension, right? To your throat, let's call your throat headspace or throat space. Controlling that very, very closely is the key to keeping control of your manufacturing and production of those rifles that can shoot the same ammo you know, day in and day out. So we build several thousand rifles, say we build 828 nozzlers, um, they all shoot the same load, period. Like we don't tune the loads to get them to shoot good enough. Like we will change the gun to make sure that it shoots the ammo. So back to the land and groove configuration, even numbers helps in a lot of respects, but an even land and groove configuration cuts a better chamber, period. And the way that we've broken up our chambering process and tools, and basically we're completely off the reservation. We don't use the SAMI style prints. We've completely restructured our datum points and we have um, custom tools that we've created. And uh, it, it it allows us complete control and we get very, very consistent results. Um, you know, five landing room stuff's pretty cool and it's and it's popular, but it there's some big challenges Um, when it comes to making kick-ass chambers in a production environment
1: this this is that's awesome this is uh this is what we're after information like this so this is a an awesome podcast there and lots of tons of information for us and our listeners and we're at 38 minutes if you got time man i gotta I, i've got a bunch more questions for you if it's all right with you i'll keep
0: keep them rolling and then if i go a little bit long you just tell me that we know no, need to move no on. man
1: we love it we're eating this up uh, the more I'm, I'm hearing stuff that i really enjoy hearing so say everything that you've developed you know what it but it sounds to me like and what i'm seeing with with the gunworks company um if anybody of you anyone follows you guys on instagram or facebook or you guys have an awesome youtube channel too with the information you guys are building a a pretty pretty intense facility,
0: dude. We are literally. I hooked up a trailer tonight. It's going to Cody tomorrow. We're literally putting stuff on it tomorrow, and it's moving to the new building. It is. It's on. Uh, we're about three months late on the menu. Uh, the the construction. Um, I'm not building it, so I'm not late. But but. Uh, <laughs> But we, we thought we would have been in already, but it's, it's on next week. Machines are getting unplugged, shut down, moved over. So we're, we're in the, we're in the, the eye of the storm or the calm before the storm. And it's, it's, it's going to happen.
2: Maybe you should have busted out the tool belt. done (laughs) it yourself. Oh
0: man.
1: But so you let's real quick. What when we went up there, you guys had a couple different uh, I'm I'm if I'm remembering right, manufacturing facilities, the one where we were at and you were doing some stuff and then you had we, had,
0: we had that manufacturing facility, eleven thousand five hundred square feet, and then we had an office space. Okay. Sparsely populated, sales and admin was over there, but it was about thirty five hundred square feet. Um, and then, we, we, you know, we have a small little uh, shop, a little uh, clean room that does all the REVIC stuff, and um, we've got our engineering office down in Austin, Texas. This new facility is 45,000 square feet. There's a 100-yard, three-bay shooting tunnel, or not tunnel, it's above ground, but inside of the building. That's how long it is. Like, it takes forever to go from one side to the other. And um,
1: what would I get... You, so basically what you're planning on doing is you're 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 going to be building everything in house i mean you're you're looking at your actions your stocks your barrels
0: you know the things there's things that you need to do right and there's things that you would like to do and there's things that actually create value for the customer so what i have to be careful with is to is to make sure that I'm not just doing things that I want to do and I and I look really closely and say, does this provide a value to my customer, whether it's cost savings, whether it's quality, et cetera. Um, one th- we used to outsource our rifle stock manufacturing. And when we did this Climber Magnus Gen 2 and Vertix stock, we also developed an entire stock manufacturing aspect of our business. So we have this entire composites department, um, in the new facility. It's really, really awesome. Total clean room, separate environment. Um, but those processes and, and things that we developed didn't save us any money. And so you say, well, what was the value to the customer? Well, we don't have to wait 12 months to get a stock. If we want this stock tomorrow, we can make it today. So that's, that's cool, because our, our lead time last year, our average lead time on over 4 billion different engineered configurations of rifle systems, our average lead time was 48 days. Wow. Now, that's an average, and there's some guys that went a little longer, but in general, we delivered the goods. This year, that was pretty hot. That was hard to manage. Our inventory levels went up almost $2 million running that... Um, Lead time. This this year we've spec'd out 120 days, and we're doing really well on that. Um, and it's it's a lot easier pace to manage. So so um, uh, it, it, if you look at that stock build out, you know we got faster turn times. The cost is the same, but we also got some quality stuff that was a little different. And and we feel like we provided something that had some quality benefits to our customers. So I, there's some things that, that I would really like to do and just take on. But for example, a lot of our aluminum parts, you know, we, we've made in in our shop a lot of aluminum parts in the past. We don't do anodize, so we would make aluminum parts and then we'd ship them out to do anodize. And what we found, we we've, we've actually got a, two great strategic partners on aluminum parts that do anodize. And we've found that we can't compete with them on price. And their quality is exceptional. Again, couldn't do better. And so, so that stuff is outside and maybe never even comes inside. So we have all the engineering, all the design. And then what we do is we do our quality management and supply chain management to ensure that we get everything that we need the way it's supposed to be. And I I think that arrangement drives more value to the customer than just bringing it in house. I mean, we've made the parts, we can make the parts, we actually have the machines there that could do the parts, but the better solution for our customer is sourcing those. That makes sense. I think the same thing goes for rifle scopes. A lot of people have so many misconceptions. And here we are at almost an hour, and we haven't even talked about the coolest shit. And that we're gunning. We're gonna. But the same thing goes for rifle scopes. We could make a rifle scope. I have all the engineering capability. Um, um, our electromechanical designer has been in the industry for over 20 years. He's done some of the best scopes out there. We could do a rifle scope from scratch. We could do an optical design. We could do the mechanical design done. We could make it and assemble it right here in Cody, Wyoming. It would be awesome, but it would probably be five thousand bucks, right? There's no value for the customer there. So, you know, we actually our rifle scope stuff, a lot of our electro optics, that stuff gets built with an OEM partner. So we do design, we do sourcing. You know all that stuff and and manage supply chain. It's it's a really interesting, exciting business. And I'll tell you what, we're way bigger than most people understand. Well, that's, and,
1: it, it, that that that's I that opened my eyes when we went up there. We, we to be honest, we were we were working with uh, U.S. Optics. We've done some work just recently with Loophold. And that's what our goal was to, you know, we, we tried to reach out to you guys regarding the optic side of things. And when Mm -hmm. we got there, I I pretty much had a mind blown experience on what you guys did. Everything. I mean, I knew what you did, but when we saw what you did, it was a completely different ball game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool um, awesome team. Like I don't do this stuff. My team does it. Um, I try to keep a hold of the rudder and steer, but there's, there's a lot of awesome people here Uh, here. Another good example is suppressor parts. You know, that's one where we kind of do a dual thing where we make them in house, but we also have outsource. So it gives us some really flexible, um, uh, you know, production capacity. So generally, you know, we can keep up, but if if it's hot and heavy, it's like we can spool somebody up really quickly and and increase our throughput significantly. So that's that you know there's some you know, there's some strategy in in how you you know make or buy and what you machine and what you don't.
1: That that makes total sense. So let, while while you broke the ice on that, let's talk about suppressors. We love that. Uh, we have a six and we have an eight. Go through. Uh, the configuration of it, how what it went into the design work how you guys all of it
0: think so think about what you're starting to get a sense of in our uh, design ethos is we we didn't say hey look uh you know thunderbeast has this let's make one of those or Co. has this or q has this we said who is our customer where what product is this going to go on? What ca- cartridges are we going to shoot? And let's make it as good as we can. And and so we we basically set out said we want to make a, a virtually indestructible precision rifle can that addresses some of the user interface challenges that we have with other manufacturers' products. That is that is good at sound suppression. Um and and that has the size and signature, you know, that fit different systems. So that six, we run on a climber with a, a fatty carbon barrel at 18 or 20 inches long in six, five PRC or like a seven SOM or a seven LRM. That is a fricking awesome mountain hunting rig, like absolutely stellar. Just, just, it's the kind of gun that you touch and you feel and you shoot and you just never want to let out of your hands. It, it's literally perfect. And a big part of that is how that suppressor balances and works. So so we did that can, that minimalist, you know, hunter style can. And then we said, okay, and now we've got the a precision rifle shooter you know, you know, big long range rifle shooter, you know, all that stuff. And so we did a can for that one. So we got six inch, eight inch, six inch cans, one and a half inch diameter, eight inch cans, one and three quarter diameter. And the things that were really important to me was, I think it's stupid to chase sound suppression. You want to optimize it, but you literally can measure it on one day and measure it the next day and get different numbers. And so the whole industry is full of these numbers that don't mean anything the only way that you can do it is you test the same this in the same test the different cans and so every time we would shoot a configuration in our testing you, you we would literally shoot the two reference cans with it so we had two other vendors two other kind of reference standards that we would use and when we would test a config we would test against those and on different days they would give us different numbers but the relative you know performance was was a better um, you know a more sure way to compare. So and so one of the things that we looked at was, hey, look, everybody makes these 308 and 223 cans, you know that are max is a is a 300 win at you know a 24 inch barrel, and we're like, screw that, I want to build a 16 inch 28 nosler, and I want to shoot the hell out of it, and this can needs to hold up, right? So so we optimized our cans for big, heavy thumpers. You want to shoot a 300 norma, do it. So it's a 30 cal can. You've got apertures in the front, so you can tune it for your caliber. You can actually pick up a couple dB going from, you know, the 30 cal can. If you're shooting like a six millimeter, six five, you put a six five or a six millimeter aperture. You can pick up a couple decibels of sound reduction by doing that. Got to be careful though, because you don't want (laughs) to mix it up. But uh, another thing that that aperture does is it's a. you get a baffle strike, it's always on the front. It's a sacrificial piece, it's aluminum. So you trash it, you can just change it out yourself, put a new one in, it's easy. Uh, the other thing that we addressed was the suppressor mount. And you know some guys got it, but some guys don't, where when you take the can off, the mount stays on the gun. That was like a mandatory requirement for me. Because we turned a lot of cans into direct thread cans over the years. And this mount that we've created has the the ceiling in front of the threads. It has the right taper on it. And it it works really, really good. Now, if it ever does get stuck, we built a hex, like a 3-8 hex inside of it. So, again, you don't have to send this in to somebody to have it unscrewed you just use some tools you can do it yourself tools that you have in your garage right now no no special tools we don't have to send our can out with any tools they're just they're in your shop already so that was a couple usability things that we thought was really important and we stress test this you know we did the full auto mag dumps and all that stuff you can't blow up the welds i mean it's it's absolutely robust now you can wear the hell out of a uh your baffles by doing something like that these aren't Designed to be full auto cans. These are designed to be the reference standard precision rifle cans. $800 and 850 bucks. I think that six-inch can wa- uh was competitive with the Thunder Beast Ultra 7 for sound. Um we are 12.4 ounces. We're literally not even an ounce heavier than that titanium Ultra 7. And we get that absolute rock, solid, bulletproof. Um toughness that you get out of that 17.4 pH baffles so it's pretty cool
1: yeah we've got like I said we've got the six and the eight and we're going to be doing reviews on them I mean is there there, we're we're going to just be basically going through everything that you just said and then shooting them and and of course we don't I agree 100% with what you said it's a it's the truth is what it is you can't effectively measure or meter a suppressor up against another suppressor on any given day and expect the same results. Even on any different platform, you're looking at the same load data. You, yeah. you just you, you, There's numbers out there, and that's what a lot of guys directly resort to. Or, hey, what, what's, you know, how, how many decibels am I going to get out of this thing in reduction? And I'm like, you know what? Sure, that, that, that is something you want to have yeah. a, a, a yeah. quiet can, but performance regarding precision is first and foremost
0: yeah you know what a couple of things that we did that i'm really proud of is if you go do on and off tests with this can or you know different cans on and off or take that can to different guns or whatever the the poi shifts and on and off um poi shift it's really really minimal like It's literally, I'll I'll go on a hunt where I'm going to shoot a really expensive animal or something, or do a lot of work to get there, and I'll show up with the can off, I'll put the can on, and I'll I'll expect that next shot to be perfect at 963 yards so it, it i'm really pleased with the the fundamentals of what those cans do and and i will tell you that we didn't optimize these for 65 creed and 308 we optimize them for 28 nosler and and you know 300 rum more so they are de- they're designed to give you better sound suppression and we beat the competition with the big magnums when you switch to like the 308 or the 65 creed parts. we actually give up a db or two I got you. And it, it, it's, it's funny to see how that baffle stack optimization for the big hunting Magnums is it's real. It, it actually, it made a product that it was optimized for those things.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. So th- I think that, that we pretty much touched base on uh, regarding everything on the suppressor. Let's, uh, um, Revix, man, let's talk about, you're getting into your, it, it kind of an electro optic style of, of, of setup. And we've got our hands on those. And I, I, I'm in love with them. The glass quality, with what's actually integrated into the optic, and we're going to be doing reviews on those two. I've had a couple. I've had more than a handful of guys that I've just, you know, forwarded on to my guy that works for you guys, and mm-hmm. and they just, you know, they're like, man, I see that you guys are running those in videos. What what's it all about? So ex- explain to us, run us through the ring. Are you got the two different models, the mill mill? Okay, the here's the
0: yeah. Here's the here is the. Let's start at the top. Here is how I think people should correct for ballistics. I think you need to dial a turret and you need to hold for wind. I've been in, we're not talking about, I'm talking about like hunting recreational, right? I'm not talking about people shooting back at you. That's different. I don't know anything about it and wouldn't propose to suggest what needs to be done there. I'm talking about hunting situations. There's not a lot of people that have been in more big game hunting situations in and shot a precision rifle that I have. I mean, it's that's been my thing. So I'm speaking from that level of experience. So dial a turret for elevation, hold for wind. We've been doing ballistic uh, turrets for a long time. We train thousands of people every year. I know what works for people who don't have a lot of time to become super experts. If they can push a button and get a range, dial a turret to that range, line up the crosshairs, pull the trigger, they can be really successful without having, you know, a lot of expertise. So out of the box type performance. So we've been doing this for a long time. Our customers and the whole marketplace is getting so smart that what used to be the six, 700 yard type push became a thousand became 1200 and now i i feel i feel like we're pushing into the 1, 14 1500 yard range for you know what the leading guys can do in this space and and reasonably expect you know the type of ethical performance we're looking for in some situations so you look at these guys and and the we want to stay in front of that right i mean we're those guys we're wanting to push the boundaries and we're wanting to be more successful in those hunts so what we've done with the Revic is we've taken a ballistic computer and we've shoehorned it into that scope. We've fitted it. We fit it We fitted the elevation turret with a uh, position encoder, so you know what your dial is. Uh, we've put a micro display in there um, and a full weather station, so it measures everything: compass, it measures incline, pressure, temperature, and it knows where your turret's dialed. So if you program your ballistics. And we've developed a ballistic engine that can calculate your solution as fast as you can click the dial. The way it works is you just, you range a target with your, you know, rangefinder, your binos or whatever you've got. The target's 930 yards. You point your gun and look through the scope and you turn the turret to 930 yards and you pull the trigger and shoot. You can program a wind vector. If you put a wind vector in there, say a 10 o'clock wind at two, sorry, a 10 mile an hour wind at two, then it will correct for aerodynamic jump, it'll correct for spin drift, it'll correct for headwind and tailwind. And in, the shooter has all the control while in the scope without breaking shooting position. So as a shooter, I, I was always waiting for the spotter. I was waiting for, you know, he would give me the elevation. I was waiting for the wind. It's like you're always waiting. You want more. You want it faster. You want it at your fingertips. And so what the Revic does is it gives the shooter 100% control. Um, you're you're basically asking your spotter to give you that range, and you can do everything else. And it's super fast and it's on so uh, the we can run doppler files in the scope so that your curves are dead nuts um you know you want to cold bore something at 1685 it's like it's got the capability to do it if you can read the wind the Revic will keep up with you
1: and that's something that we've we've got really familiar with over the past year you know as soon as we got them we we downloaded the app we Bluetoothed all of our ballistic data, basically velocity, the temperature, the humidity, everything that we needed, and integrated it into the optic. And it takes, like you said, it's fast. It's a matter of, of seconds, and it uploads all of that content to your optic. And then you're done. You don't have to mess with it. Unless, like we did, we fine-tuned it. You know, we'd run it out to, for our coyote rigs, we'd, we'd run the ballistics, depending on what round we were actually using, out to 400, but we realized... How efficient it was by running a little bit heavier around and being able we use that six creed for example and this is your guys's you know your go-to sig line a thousand yards out of the box pretty much right i mean we got the six millimeter the creed more from you guys to test out and it was set up from you guys how you do it and i cranked the turd up to 800 done on an moa plate i mean just from never shot it at 100 never messed around dialed it up shot it was there of, of course, you know, we do a little bit more detail with our work. We do a lot of reloading and stuff, but we wanted to see how it worked right out of the box. And, you know, you go into a little more detail on the optic itself. There's a ton of different configurations. You got what, 10, almost 10 different reticle colors you can choose from The you you can move the heads up display up and down to cater to, you know, basically your eye relief inside of it. Uh-huh. And that's just, a, it's crazy. It's, it's insane, the ingenuity and what you guys have put into that thing. And hey, and
0: what did you think? What did you think about the user interface? I don't remember ever telling you how to run that scope. I I'm thought it, it,
1: I was, you know, I'll be honest. I thought it was going to be overwhelming. I downloaded the Revic app and boom, I just went to basically it's almost like a, 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 a ballistic software app. You just put your, your profiles, you select your bullet, you put whatever your muzzle velocity is, You, you your, your optic, as long as you have the Bluetooth on. It automatically syncs up with your phone and the revenue. And the the,
0: the the menu for you was easy to navigate. I, I feel oh yeah like oh
1: no it was yeah you you just yeah.
0: mess with it you just
1: mess with you, it and you're that, good. That's exactly. Yeah. I
2: remember looking through it and and someone going, "Geez, you can change the change the uh, the red It was Tyler and and yeah. James goes or I go how do you do that and James goes just mess with it you 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 mess with it you figure it all out you don't need to read yeah. anything it's yeah simple.
0: it's pretty intuitive i i'm pretty proud of my team and and what we what we put together there as far as usability so um and and you know and, and the revic scopes on our first foray i mean that ballistic rangefinder was there but that revic was a huge project i mean it it was a it was a beast and there's a lot of features on that that just get overlooked what do you guys think of that uh, turret the turret system, the tool is zero on that thing. Oh hell
1: yeah! With you just use a tip of your bullet. Oh freaking, that's a win win. It's about time somebody figures out something like that's something yeah. they actually use in the field. You would think that the guys that are uh, honestly in not just in the hunting industry but in the tactical side of things, like you said, you have guys that are shooting back at you. If if you were in a situation where you don't have to use tools other than yeah. what you've got in your pocket, hell, that's freaking that's a that's an awesome feature. Yeah, and, and yeah, I don't.
0: I, it's expensive, and I and I have a tendency to do really stupid, expensive things that, that, you know, the value's there for the customer. But unfortunately, we don't quite have our product priced right. That that scope should be five thousand bucks. That that stuff is, it is labor intensive. It really is the design the design effort that we put to you know to put that scope together was just massive. It went from a eighteen month project to a a five year you know monster, and it it. Uh, it's been a big deal for Gunworks.
1: I'm impressed with it. That's as and, and we've like that's something that we love doing is getting our hands behind a lot of different optics and man the features. We're gonna what I want to do this summer is, um, I kind of want to pull my USO off my 338 Norma Mag and run that run run that Mil Revic out to as far as I can peg it out, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I'm, bullet?
0: What bullet are you running?
1: 300 grain OTM and I'm pushing it right around 2900.
0: I can't remember if we've got a Doppler on that one or not. I'll have to. I'll double check and let you know. But but if I've got a Doppler file, that's it would. Uh, it would be pretty nice. Or the si-
1: a, the six point five PRC. We've got a couple of yeah. those built. You know, we'll put it on. one Yeah, of those we've got some
0: it. Doppler files on all the ELD match bullets. So anything that's a Hornady ELD match, we've got Dopplers on those. Those are good.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely take a look at that. And so real quick on the scopes, when you guys were, you know, this was probably what, five, six years ago, I, I saw a lot of it on commercials, you guys were working with Nightforce, making custom turrets, bullet BDC uh-huh. turrets, basically. Uh-huh. I mean, you, that you, that was a precursor to what you're doing now with the Revic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we still, we still do the majority of our rifle systems, get kitted out with a traditional optic and a BDC turret.
1: Somebody else's optic, like what are, like you got a loophole? Uh, what...
0: we, we use, we, we're a first focal plane company. That's one of those things where I feel like there's serious benefit to the customer, even though they don't realize it. And it, it it's cost me a lot of, it's cost me a lot of pain and suffering to get that switch done. It took two years to do it, but basically we're first focal plane. The Mark five Leopold product, in my opinion, offers a really, really nice niche in a, tactical featured product that is also lightweight and hunting compatible. So we we do tons of that 3.6 to 18 on like the climber systems with the locking turrets with, I mean, over 120 minutes of elevation. We did a cool reticle that's got a heavy post. So it works great at low power for hunters. Um, That product is really cool. Uh, And we do the five to 25 as well Uh, on the high end side You know, we're doing Collis and Collis is, you know, across the street from Swarovski owns them. Collis is actually the oldest scope manufacturer still in existence today. I mean, I I remember seeing a picture of a scope that was made in 1910 um, that Collis had produced, but they've they've had a long history. They've had a lot of changes and they they basically turned into Swarovski's tactical side so so the green doesn't have to do anything black. Uh, So their first focal plane, you've got that really nice high-end, you know, European-style optic system with the nice big wide eye boxes. Um, And they've got their own cool features like their parallaxes underneath the elevation turret and a few things like that. But their five-ratio systems work really good for us, 3-to-18 and 5 to 25 um and we do we do tons of that 5 to 25 on like the like the Magnus and verdict type systems so those those two scopes um scope lines scope families are the bulk of you know the gunworks rifle systems right now
1: uh regarding real quick and we'll get off the topic of the optic of the scopes the the you you on the Revic you have the rx1 which is the mill reticle and you have the rt1 which is the moa reticle or and then you also said you have a custom reticle that you put in the loophole mm-hmm. is the so RX- we, do, we
0: do three reticles we do a hunting reticle we do kind of a tactical reticle and then we do the competition so rh1 is hunting rt1 is tactical and rx1 is and those are all first generation of the competition reticle and so the 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 r H1 is pretty simple, just windage and a you know post. The RT one is just your traditional, you know, left and right, you know, minute of angle um, style. We never did a mill version of that. The RX one actually has moa and mill versions, so you can get the competition reticle in MOA or mill, and that's your Christmas tree style. Um, you know, we did do those Tremor Three style, you know, wind line in there. We actually enjoy the benefit of licensing that tech from Horus. so but that that's a pretty cool feature for you know some fast you know windhold solutions. I don't know that it's got a lot of applicability. If you got the Revic on and you're running the display, you're using the center anyways, but still it's there for different shot you know, configurations or
1: I'm a I'm a big Horace fan. I've got a bunch of we, we all do have a bunch of H fifty nines and I love that for like you like you said, I, I I'm a big believer in dial for dial up for your come up and hold for wind. And mm-hmm. being able to make your calls on a Christmas tree style reticle when you're just out having fun shooting or hunting is, is a I, I, I really Think it's a benefit but that's something that we asked you too it was funny we were starting to laugh when we went up there and we you showed us the reticles when we went up there and i'm like you know how how does that work with horace and you just kind of you guys were kind of getting a kick out of it and well whoa, we, whoa.
0: we we got we got real smart and we looked at the patents and said you know what there there's a way to navigate around this patent and get you know a similar feature so we put some lines in and went to town but they did the same thing that i do they they had a, a continuation application that was not published that we didn't see and what that means is it it allows you to improve on your claims and basically keep that patent alive and we do that all the time we have tons of patents and we have a ton of strategy that that has a keep alive strategy but that thing came out and published and it literally encompassed what we did and so like we we weren't going to fight with them it was it was fair game right it was it was inside the rules and so we we do license that uh, feature from them i got you
1: um while, while we're on the topic of kind of optics what do you guys have for lrfs like what what's some of the other options that you guys have that you're you, you you've had out to the market like you said you had the g you have like a g7 line
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you... that, B, that br twenty five hundred is kind of the latest version. Um, it runs a half mil tall, one and a half mil wide uh, laser beam. It runs our target discrimination tech that really lets you pick out ranges in hunting conditions, sagebrush, you know, rolling hills, low light, you know, fog, rain, etc. In my opinion, better than anything else on the market. You take these uh, class one lasers. You know, with small receive lenses and pump them full of, of juice, turn them into you know class three stuff. You can get some good ranges, but as soon as you start getting a bunch of noise from, you know, either obstructions, moisture, rain, snow, or whatever, sunlight, etc., like you, you'll fail. Uh, and then, and the ones that just send out burst packets and then you know come back. Uh, They're not able to pull ranges out of, you know, tough conditions like August antelope in the sagebrush and in midday with mirage and, you know, near and far conditions. So you get we tuned our laser to run, you know, good measurement off of animal hide, you know, close to the ground where you have all that scatter and all that noise that shows up. Hence our kind of that really wide, flat laser beam that we do and it it wins it's twice or three times as big as some of these small ones and it's not as fast in the way that it ranges but man it'll dig up a, a number when you really need it and what's your, uh, i i i ahead. use a bino with a rangefinder Yep. i yep. like this i like i like the zeiss ones um the, they the, work good you're talking
1: the, the laser rangefinder binos
0: mm-hmm. yeah you know that little vortex um one that you know same as the sig same as a couple of those other guys um that thing's that thing's pretty cool glass sucks but if it's quick and dirty and mostly just range work you know that thing's a lot of bang for the buck
1: and that's what i was just going to ask you i'm a big i I, man for especially for what we do i've got the hdb three well john's got the hdb 3000s and like just Mm -hmm. being able to to have decent well those have good glass the Swarovski ELs that have the integrated rangefinder, they have they have top quality glass, the option to range, and for us being mm-hmm. able to glass in low light conditions, just mm-hmm. you trying to nitpick stuff in the tall grass or the pines yeah. wherever we are, and be able to have the the accessibility and capability to range in the same unit without having to have a handheld rangefinder somewhere else. That's for Dude, me. Dude,
0: I, I, as, as much as I like the you know, the range finding binos, I always have that BR 2500 in my pack, because sooner or later, there's something that I can't range with those binos, and I have to go get that.
1: So how far are you saying you you consistently hit? I mean, not just the animal target, like, what would you say a tree on a good day on decent day or like a side hill?
0: You know what, that's, it's, that's even more. That's even Mm -hmm. worse than the it's even worse than the sound suppression thing that
1: we're talking about. <laughs> I do it all the time, though. I've got my vinyls, and I'm just seeing how far I can nail stuff. You know? Do you I'm...
2: mean with the yeah. Zeiss or with that B twenty five hundred?
0: Yeah, I'm just saying to compare that way. I would say most of the time I'm able to get the ranges that I want with any of those products, but you know, I would say when they're failing, more than half the time i can go get the range with the 2500
1: oh really yeah what was that real quick again what was your your the the dimensions of that laser half a mil
0: (coughs) half mil tall by one and a half mil wide gotcha okay
1: we might have to try to get our hands on one of those man and run And, and,
0: and the idea the idea is it's like you don't really want it a lot smaller but what you want is a really, really hard bottom edge. yeah and I run a nearest mode calculation and what our rangefinder does is you press that button and you hold it up to five seconds and it sends out multiple packets and it takes all that data and it and it and it it mathematically combines those different data packets and gets rid of the noise and makes the target stand out. And, uh, it literally, you know, you put that hard edge, you know, bottom of a belly on an antelope, and even though there's all this grass and stuff, that's just four or five inches away from it, you won't pick up on it wow. and you'll be able to sit there and, and just pull that range right out of there where these other guys that are either trying really small, um, reticles, or they have a vertically oriented reticle or, or the or the big round big large round ones it's like they're gonna give you fits all day because you're just gonna be picking up you know miscellaneous stuff around the fringes and it'll fail they just they won't be able to get a good range for you
1: i can see that um i can see that so what what are some of the other things that you guys have going on that you might be able to talk about regarding uh products that aren't guns or optics
0: so we've got a new ballistic calculator coming later this summer. Um, this this whole international business has just been hammered by this global pandemic thing. So there's a there's a bunch of products that are actually behind. I think Revik has eight new products that will probably be out by next January.
1: No going so over what? So- no touching base on those yet.
2: Dropped his phone in his cereal.
0: <laughs> not, not in the cereal, not in the cereal.
1: Uh, so, you touch base on any of those or are we no, no go on that? Uh,
0: so, the, the ballistic calculator one that we've teased, um, there's some scope products, um, you, some without smarts. So, a c- couple of cool things coming. I don't know if you just saw this, but we just launched a new open site. Yeah, we saw, I saw that uh, yeah. for the muzzle loader. Dude, it's so <laughs> that, cool. Now, th- now the, it, the product's cool. Uh, you get basically 32 minutes in one turn running an open site, not an open site, a peep site. Um, and then we've got a front site that's with it, but literally a qu- a click is a quarter minute. It's so awesome. I, so, don't,
2: I don't know anything about muzzle loaders. What's that get you like <laughs> exactly.
0: 400 yards? Yeah, what? Five, what? 600 yards, man. That's awesome. All and you can smash all day long with that thing. But that it's cool, but what's really cool about it is it's got our new click technologies and the click technologies are, in my opinion, it made the best click out of any product I've ever felt anywhere. And it's something that I've been chasing for almost 15 years. Uh, most of the most of the guys that are doing scope products now, they just take, engineering that the, their supplier creates and they just put a cosmetic change to the product, right? So they just make it look like theirs. Um, if you peel back the layers, what's inside is basically that's the tech that they just they make over there all the time. And a lot of the click technology, it works, but it's really basic and the material science is not there. So you end up with brass and you have ball pin plungers and springs that are maybe overstressed a little bit. I literally am so excited about something that's just nobody even cares about. But it, it it's the slipperiest, firmest click anywhere. And I, I just love it. So that little product actually has kind of like the leading edge for some some new click technology that will show up in a lot of the new scope products in the future. So That's really Great, cool because
2: I know that I care about that. Well, I might not care about it, but I'm definitely interested by it.
0: You'll notice. You'll notice when you, when you touch it. It lit, it's going to blow your mind. So do you, I, it it it'll let us do things like have 40 minutes in a turn and still have awesome clicks.
1: So do you guys have like a, a do you guys have a pretty big customer base for for muzzle loaders? I I mean, do you
0: um, it it, it's pretty big and i'll tell you i'll tell you how you know how big it is is because is chasing us ga precision is chasing all these other guys that have traditionally been out of that space are like very into it
1: into the muzzle into the muzzle loading
0: yeah i haven't even paid attention to that well
1: and it's a good deal i mean it's it's opening up i think because it allows a lot of guys to be more successful it draws mm -hmm. you know it's just archery you can almost draw a tag anywhere if you apply yep how do you do ammo for that
0: uh, we do the load, and then we share that load with the customer. Oh, that's cool! And it's pretty much the same for every muzzleloader. So it's just it's the load varies because of lots of powder. So, yeah.
1: so that's awesome. That would be uh, what? Let's let's jump again. Skunk Works. What is it?
0: Skunk Works is it's pretty cool. So Gunworks makes. Four billion different combinations of rifle, but literally you don't get a color outside the lines. Like you you're bounded by those options. Skunkworks is is what allows us to basically say, hey, here's this cool product we want to do. And we don't have the engineering resource to like develop this new thing let's go to the marketplace let's bring somebody in like this uh like that uh, that blaster product we went to um, black collar arms and you know did a, uh, a pistol chassis with those guys we did the barrel and you know all that other stuff but literally went outside of our company and and built a platform on one of those the, uh, we did one last year that was the fire starter the goal was like an entry level, um, high performance competitive rig. So we did a a whole kit with a scope that was around 4,000 bucks. So MPA chassis, GRB action, Vortex, um, PST gen two. So it was a turnkey kit. And you know, all we really did was supply the action on it and put it together. So I guess the skunk works is a lot more like, you know, that gun builder down the way, where he can kind of do whatever he wants. It's just, we pick out these special projects and we've got a half dozen lined out. And, you know, probably every other month or so, you know, we'll have a Skunkworks project that we'll be able to launch. And, and usually we do them as limited runs. And so there's only a, a handful available and if the market screams for it. Then maybe we do some engineering and, you know, make something, you know, similar, that's engineered and becomes a mainline product, but it's a little bit of a market research, a little bit of a promotional wing, but it's what it really is. It's the flexibility to to go out and build whatever cool product is that we want to do and so, fun,
1: something for yeah. you to just go wild with.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's that's
1: pretty. That's really interesting.
0: One, well, uh, for example, one we've been working on right now is an, a total E L R lightweight E L R build. And so um, KRG did that habu chassis a couple years ago, like magnesium, super lightweight chassis. And we've been trying to, you know, sort out, you know, um, that product for, you know, a limited run build where we run like a seven to thirty-five Mark V Leopold and a couple other products that let us run. This ELR gun that's just stupid lightweight.
1: What is that a three seven, oh, I, don't you have some pictures on Instagram? What do you run in a three oh? What, is that a four weight at 375?
0: that the hammer product that you're there talking you about. There you go, that's what I'm seeing. That's that. what that I'm seeing. That thing's heavy, it's cool, it's awesome, but it's it's uh yeah, that's a cool product. But no, I'm talking about something that's just totally different. So that's the that's the kind of things that we're building on the skunk work side
1: okay that's that's cool a hammer might as well that that's just an that's an elr platform that's uh you guys manufacture that's available to build on your website
0: yeah we basically we basically put our barreled action into a um uh adjustable chassis i got you i got you uh at three seven three seventy five 75 it's pretty awesome. How far have you that's taken it?
1: How far have you guys taken it out? I mean three
0: thousand. Oh I Lord. mean it it that's a two that's a two-mile product. So how I mean
1: like I've shot my three thirty-eight Norma Meg out to two thousand and fifty, and I don't know John was with me. And I think it took me about fifteen rounds to kind of walk it up. My my, my optic was pegged out, and <laughs> it, I had a thirty-four millimeter tube, so it had the it had a lot of juice. And then I was actually holding like another 11 minutes in the reticle or it might have been Yeah, that's mils. what,
0: you're going to run, you're going to run out of elevation. This so just going to happen.
1: walk us through what yeah. you're, what you're on your platform, what you're doing to get there. So, guys know and understand how. how you want to
0: shoot that far, you, you either have to have a, a really extreme base and a scope that has a lot of adjustment.
1: 40, what are you running, a 40 degree?
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it, but you can also throw one of those little periscopes on there. Those, yeah. those. uh From those tacos. Yeah, yep. there you yep. go. See, and that's that's kind of the easy way to get all the way out there
1: and then you got to have the round to do it and you yeah. guys do you guys offer that round i mean do you guys actually so we
0: load we have that one load for 375 shitek that's it's pretty cool I, I i will admit it's not my game so i can't i can't really give you a lot of the the details on that product but Whoa. it's running a cutting edge I think it's a four hundred grainer. I mean, it's it's really cool and it goes a long ways. But
2: is that the laser,
0: dude? I can't even tell you. That's, <laughs> yeah, they're that's go- a, that you, we start getting into nerdy stuff like that. We got to go. We got to get a hold of Mike Davidson and get that <laughs> detail out of him.
1: Um, so taking the next step, let's what what do you guys offer? What do you do for classes? What, how, what? Run us through the ringer on what you guys offer from start to finish, so one, different one phases. Of the, one
0: of the coolest things that we've got going for us right now is the the nerdy tech science that you know you're going to get from me in a structured classroom format, mixed with um, kind of that that fundamental uh, rifleman you know, topic of, you know, marksmanship that you're going to get out of Phil Vallejo. And Phil is, um, been with us for a few years. He is a really great instructor and we've got Ben Downing. Both of those guys came out of their Marine Corps. I, they both were, uh, uh instructed at the, at their sniper school. Um, they're really cool cats and they, they know a lot. And I think, You know, you you, to get the minutiae because I I actually really don't care about the the little details of marksmanship. It's like I'm just gonna throw the gun down, put the crosshairs on and shoot. And Phil gets really nerdy about it. I, I literally learned how to run a bolt by, you know, just sitting in there and picking up some things out of that class. So that's that's really cool to mix that level of of attention on that topic with the really advanced, you know, science that's packaged in a really cool digestible format you about external internal and and uh terminal ballistics and uh, that's kind of where you know our traditional gunworks you know position is so it's pretty cool and and we've been kind of merging those uh, philosophies and and uh, schools of thought for a couple years now
1: so those that's what you get kind of with that's an overall summary of what you get with your classes but you you break it down even further you have like a different phase <laughs>
0: yeah, you come you can you can spend 2 days with us on a level 1, get kind of some fundamental stuff out of the way. You can come do level 2 and then we can put you in the field for a one day level 3. So you can spend 5 days with us training or you can just take it in pieces or you can do it every year or whatever and then we do all sorts of cool uh, other events like we've got level four stuff where we're up in the mountains or we're down in texas or we'll throw an antelope hunt on it or out at or you know whatever tons of cool uh, opportunities for you know different experiences and events so you make it through the class if you haven't been for a couple years it's like come back because it's going to be all new and fresh and and it'll be different and so uh, we try to keep their curriculum, you know, cutting edge. Like right now, you know, you'll do between level one and three, you'll get exposed to like basic through advanced scope tech. Like by the time you're done, you've been exposed to the most cutting edge, you know, optics and ballistic methodologies that exist.
2: And when you do yeah. that, do uh, guys bring their own guns or shoot yours or do you want them to shoot a gun works?
0: Uh, you can bring your gun and shoot it after class, but when you're in class, you shoot one of ours. It's just convenient, they're all, they're all suppressed, the data's done, the, the, we're there to teach you um, about long range, how to shoot, how to understand it, how to tra- trajectory validate, how to everything. We're not there to unfuck your rifle. <laughs> and that, I, that's, that happens every single time you do a bring your own gun class, is you spend the whole time sorting out the stuff yeah not saying every other gun (laughs) but is problem but it's like it just there's just a little more control there but what we like to do is the guy wants to bring his gun we'll just kick it out after class we can apply all that same cool stuff that we learned validate trajectory zero all that stuff make sure everything's working good it's like guys do that all the time
2: yeah i guess i i can understand that if you have one guy where something's wrong that screws up everybody's day
0: Dude, six guy six guys shooting and one guy brings his three hundred ultra with a frickin' APA bastard brake oh, on it. Geez. You know, in inside the building there shooting out there, it it's like he, it's not polite. Where if you're running six, five Creedmoor training guns with eight inch gun work suppressors, dude, a lot it's of ammo gets shot different. and in a lot in a really nice environment.
1: So if a guy <clears throat> wanted to do a class like say for example are some listeners out there we talked about it even too we had a, we had a few guys that wanted to 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 get into it if a guy wanted to do a class or put on a class or host one I should say what's your rec- or or what what's your quota what do you have to have how many guys do you have to have what what are you looking at for a price point for a minimum
0: mm, <laughs> you're going to spend you're going to spend 1200 bucks a day to come do it in our facility so you can imagine we're going to have some costs to go somewhere else uh, I think like our Texas class, uh, I think not 1200 bucks a day, 1200 bucks for a two- day class. Our Texas class is like another five or six hundred bucks and we usually do about 50 people when we're down there. you know we just do enough, a couple weeks worth and so it spreads the cost of mobilization over a lot of guys. I, I would say you, you got to have a 10 to 12 person deal. Um, if it's eight, you're going to be paying a little more per head. And, and we can tailor some custom stuff. You know, our season lasts from May to October here. And then we hit November through, you know, February. It's like we got to go to Arizona and Texas and Florida and go hit some of those places. So, uh, so we're, we're a little bit more uh, inclined to travel at those seasons. We run classes literally every week up here so we're we're real busy in the summer we do have two full time instructors but i mean we usually have three to four people on the line you know when we're doing our 12 men uh training so it's uh it's a pretty big operation pretty big mobilization to handle it we can tailor some stuff so if if you're interested always just call ask and we'll see what we can do
1: i got you no that's interesting hey uh talking about traveling and shooting who who were you shooting with this last weekend?
0: Uh so there's a there's a really cool old timey uh, club called uh the Campfire Club. And it, it kind of got started by a gentleman named uh Hornady Hor- Hornaday with AY. Um and he, he it was kind of a little offshoot of uh, some Boone and Crockett stuff. But it, it there's four hundred plus members and they're they're kind of like manly outdoorsman you know sporting hunting camping types it was a really really fun crowd i mean there was a couple guys we had we had the guy that does the flip-flop uh the the deer cook out that was pretty cool we had uh uh the field hunting ethos jason was there um uh it it was it was pretty fun i had a good time
1: did uh I was watching your guys' Instagram, and wasn't Trump Jr. shooting with you? How, how long ago was that? Was that two weeks ago?
0: No, that was last weekend. He, that was his event. He put it on.
1: That's how—have How, how have you met him before?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He, he's just a, a strong guy for the industry, for for the—I the, mean, it's awesome to have a guy like that. On Dude, the show.
0: I don't think anybody has any clue how gun and hunting nuts mm. those brothers are. You—, you, you and he's talking eric, about donald eric, Trump eric, Jr. eric eric chambers his own guns eric's been building his really? own guns forever it's like you just you they're they're not like uh newcomers they're hardcore you know competitive shooter world traveling hunter you know it's it's pretty cool to be around them i mean they're they're into it.
1: That's awesome. I saw that on the, on, on your guys's Instagram. And I thought I'd have to ask about that for sure. That's, that's, it's really cool to see guys like that, of that stature that, that are that outspoken and support guys like you and, and our lifestyle and our traditions. That's, that's what it's all about. We have to have guys like that.
0: I've noticed, I've noticed um, Donald Trump Jr. do a, a really, really good job of sharing his reach and popularity with, a lot of the smaller you know companies in our space like he just does a really good job of of sharing the love so to speak good for him
1: that's awesome uh man this has been uh uh, awesome chad aaron of, of info filled podcast uh so what we'd be looking at if guys were interested in in taking a look at some of your stuff what, what are we looking at? You can go to your website. You can mm-hmm. basically configure a custom rifle how you want it with with, yep. with a, a, a few limitations out of the billion options that you could have. What are we looking at? for? Because here's the thing, man. You get so many guys that get all butthurt at cost, at price, period. You, you're not getting around. He goes, what the hell am I going to buy an $8,000, a $10,000? Well, they're not factoring in a $3,000 optic, possibly. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. What, go, go ahead it's, o-
0: okay. it's okay. It's okay. I mean, there's space for everybody. And the people that know, they know. I mean, the people that know that, that buy a gun and five years down the road, horse breaks a stock and we take care of them, no questions asked. You know, the people that are on the mountain and have a problem and they call us up and we give them some wind dope and help them kill a big old buck. You know, the people that know, they know it's not just about buying a barrel and an action and a stock. It's way more than that. And so and so we'll bring those guys in. But if you want to just go gun only, like a fiberglass stainless steel, you know, 4000 bucks is where it starts.
1: Just that's a standard. I mean, you, you that that's competitive with anybody out there.
0: Yeah. You know, a lot of guys don't realize, you know, what excise tax does to us. And I, I wish we all just started pricing it on the bottom line so everybody could see it. But there's an 11 percent excise tax that gets dinged on one of those systems.
1: And is it the, the excise tax real quick is applicable to somebody that makes is it more than 50 units of a certain yeah. bill? That's when it hammers you. Yeah,
0: if you're manufacturing more than 50 guns, so a lot of the small shops they'll get around it by, you know, guy supplies his own action. That's not a that's not a manufactured build, or at least that's in the gray area, and so they're they're not paying excise tax. So so you get these small shops, and they say, well, yeah, I can buy this action and this stock and this barrel, and and I can have it chambered for 300 bucks, and now I've got this gun, and it's cheap. But you don't have somebody that's delivering a turnkey system, so that's a big deal. You don't have anybody that's standing behind the product as far as the, you know, hey, do you need something? Can I support you? Um, so there, there's some, you know, benefit to dealing with a company that has 60 employees in it and, you know, 10 people that you can call anytime on the phone. But, but those small shops do really cool stuff. And, you know, if that's the way you want to do it, it's like freaking awesome. It's like buy a magnus rifle stock from us
1: yeah exactly that's what's awesome with what you're doing and and we work with a lot of guys in the small we still do you know if I have a mm-hmm. we we and we're gonna have some of those guys on and it, it's it's all about I mean there's competition there's nothing wrong with it it's awesome but uh, you know it's it is gets to a cutthroat industry where guys starting to gripe at each other but man we need to kind of hang together especially in this point in time with what the hell's going on and and there needs to be more more support for for you
0: know bottom bottom line is the 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 poor small shop guys are the ones that are just cutting each other's throats you know if you've designed like we i've spent way over four million dollars in the last few years on r&d engineering you know new product development etc it's like if you take a look at that type of R&D spend and the products that we develop and bring to the marketplace, like we don't really compete with the small guys. You know, they compete with each other. They do take business from us that could come our way. But, you know, eventually what's going to happen is all the guns that are out there are going to get bolted together by the customer, just like ARs. Like it's, we're only a couple years away from that. And the small, the small precision builders, they're, if they haven't innovated and created new products, then they're out. They're done.
1: I could see that. I can, I can completely understand what you're saying. And, I mean, with that, with that said, leading us into what I'd say, uh, the last question for you, Aaron, we're at over an hour and a half, which is this has been freaking awesome, awesome, awesome content for these guys. Who, if somebody's looking for a gun... And and they can go to your website. They can basically fabricate the whole rifle how they want it. Who who are you... Who, how are you going to sell a gun to these guys? Who's your customer base? Who are you marketing to? For the guys that are listening to us, that hear us uh, you know, talk about the amount of elk that we kill every year. We're deer mm-hmm. hunters. We're antelope hunters. We smash the coyotes every winter for their fur. And we're just avid outdoorsmen. It's what we love to do. We shoot all summer long. We send a ton of rounds downrange. The guys that are listening to us who, who, how you, how do you market to them? What do they if they want? Why should they buy a gun from you?
0: Um, I think that buying a gun from Gunworks is really comparable to buying a car. And there is tons of cars out there that get the job done. But there, there, there are types of people who appreciate the small difference, that 10 or 15% difference between, you know, the, the, the workhorse Toyota and, you know, maybe the new C8 Corvette or the, you know, the big Mercedes or, or different product, right? It's like the, those little touches that make it better. Guess what? They both drive down the road at 65 miles an hour. They both run the speed limit so if guys are just saying well i'm buying this gun because it shoots you know a half minute group and why would i spend three times as much to buy a gun that just shoots a half minute group it's like well it's not just about the group size so the customers that come to us a they're either really busy and their time is is really expensive and so they let us do those services for them okay that's one customer um but i really think it's the customer that likes a tested product that has absolute backing and performance guarantees right anytime any place anywhere we got your back that recognizes those details you know the difference between the toyota corolla and the the big mercedes you know the comfort the touch points you know the little extra performance enhancements the the way the recoil signature works just even things like the way we control spin-up torque on a barrel um our ability to handle big cartridges light rifles and still give that consistent performance you know it's the guns that people trust when there's a five hundred thousand dollars sheep tag on the line it's like that that's that's the guys that we pull in and the guys that just want to bolt a barrel to a- action in a chassis you know, that are, you know, shooting matches and wearing out barrels every weekend. It's like, that's a different guy. And maybe we can sell him some parts and range finders or scopes or something, but that might not be the rifle guy for us.
1: Makes complete sense. Makes complete sense. Aaron, we've appreciate the time that you've taken, man. It's been a, like I said, this is just something that gets me all jacked up. I, I, I love to sit and listen to guys like you. We had Doug Milton at SRT Arms, the CEO there. He's an engineer as well. You guys have a different kind of mindset, and it's it's intriguing as hell for us to be able to... It's,
0: it's cool when a company's run by an engineer instead of a marketing dude there you go. or a business guy, that's right? A,
1: that's a, yeah, exactly. Because
0: sometimes, sometimes we nerd out, and the customer gets the benefit of bad business decisions.
1: <laughs> exactly. Hey, how, how open would you be to doing... Like another podcast later on, where like I'm assuming you're you're very intelligent and and, and have a, a knowledge. That's a good base. assumption, James. That's
0: a good <laughs> assumption.
1: Without, <laughs> he's
2: only R- spent four million dollars on R and D in the last <laughs> what
0: four years. <laughs> Now, hold on a second. That actually is an indication of my stupidity. So, <laughs> s- sorry.
1: <laughs> Let me rephrase that then. So, what like regarding ballistics, load development, stuff like that, is that something that you have uh, a a lot of interest? I
0: have I have some great opinions. Ballistics, I think I'm I'm I can give you guys some really cool stuff and I think there's a, some exciting directions that our industry's taking. Um you might be disappointed in my my uh low development theories because i think i think it's kind of like neck turning there's a lot of shit going on that doesn't have any value
1: well let's let, let's let's try and we'll write a whole bunch of questions down and hopefully you can answer them and then if we miss something that you'd like to talk about let's let's set it up for another podcast and see if we can't knock something out again great you got, buddy going down a little let bit me, further let me know when hell yeah man awesome aaron i appreciate the the tyke like said the time and the information that you've brought to the table for us and for the guys that like to listen to us we we think that you have an awesome product out there we've been uh really I should say we appreciate being able to to work with you guys it means a lot from our end being able to work with a company that's high end as yours it's awesome and and it, it's a very fortunate situation that we're in to be able to do that
0: I appreciate that James and the uh, the same the same uh compliments back to you guys I love being around killers
1: Thanks, man. We appreciate it. We try to be. We we try as hard as we can. And uh, you stay safe over there, buddy. We'll keep in touch. And once again, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Yep. Take care, buddy. That was awesome. That was freaking awesome. There was a ton of information there. We're at one hundred forty-one minutes. That's something like uh, the SRT Arms podcast that we did, where you know. Uh. Doug broke it down and went into detail on everything. It's it's uh there's too much information to take in. You can't get over it all. Which is oh, all. Okay, we might have another one coming on hot here. You call it back? Maybe, yeah. Aaron, Aaron, what's up, dude? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I had my phone in the fridge and maybe the fridge blocked out the cell signal.
2: For 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 what? He put it back with the milk from the cereal. No, I'm
0: freaking <laughs> I'm trying to eat some find some dinner to eat. That was just a snack. <laughs>
1: so you, oh, we thought you were calling to, to. You maybe forgot something that you mentioned that you didn't mention.
0: You no, know, you know, I just hung up. Are we good to go?
1: We're good, dude.
0: Okay. Good even-
1: you too. Yeah. Have a good evening and take care over there. Bye. Yep. Later.
2: No, I was going to ask him about uh, load development and then he said that he builds the guns around the load I w- and I'm like, "Oh, right." That's I had right that then. written down there too, but but that's
1: <laughs> why I wrote that down right off the bat. I'm like, let's do a podcast on ballistics and load development because that's that there there's there's a man, you guys, that's a lot of solid information out there. Like I said, what our goal here is to Bring subject matter experts, and that's what these guys are. I mean, that's what they do. That's what they live. They they designed when we went up there. He told us the amount of hours that the the engineers, the the guys that designed these stocks, the climber, the Magnus, the Verdict did. And you know, you got we'll, we'll get we're gonna try to get manners on. We're, we're John and I were talking. We'll get Chad at LRI on a, each one of these guys have a, a similar but completely different mindset. If you can understand that, I mean, we're all here's the thing in this day and age guys if you don't believe it you should start trusting in it because if we don't all hang together in the end we'll hang apart and it, it, it there was a uh, a lot of you guys that follow Gunworks and know what's going on Aaron had a uh, uh, there's no reason to ask him about it on this we wanted to get information out there there, there was a, a deal with uh, Wells Fargo once again with them and he made a public statement all I can say is go go search it out and listen to his video It's, he's a well thought out, very reputable guy with uh, um, solid credentials from everybody that I've talked to. And the main thing that guys have issues with is the cost. It's the price of the rifles. But like you said, if you want to get into a custom rifle, you can start around 4,000. You can work your way up from there. And most of their high-end rifles are catered to guys that he said don't have time. They want to have the opportunity or the capability to shoulder a rifle dial to 600, 800 yards, and make an easy shot. And those are easy shots with these kind of systems. It might be hard for you to kind of understand, but if you shoot a lot, being able to do what we did, how we talked about the Revic, how you can upload all of your dope and data into that optic and be able to consistently hit sub MOA targets at a range, it's... It's 100% doable to the average guy if you can if, if you can sit behind the rifle and pull
2: the trigger. I've never understood people bitching about price because 90% of the time they're driving a $60,000 car when a $16,000 car would do the job or using a $1,200 phone when a $400 phone would work.
1: But they'd want to bitch about the price on a gun. I don't get it. Well, it all, it all depends on... I mean, I can see it. I try to sit back and look at different angles... The, it's usually kind of what you said. The guys that's complaining about a gun takes a $10,000 or a $20,000 bass boat or camper, you know, t- t- every weekend to the to the park or, or to the river. And it's where you want to place your money. It's where you want to invest it. Some guys have different lifestyles, period. I mean, like Aaron said, we're after the guys that have... Uh, hunt, and by, I'll tell you what, we've done it here with elk hunters. Last year, we've probably said this before, the fellow that shot a a trophy bull here, um, he had a a factory over-the-counter rifle, and he had a a 200-yard max effective range to his capabilities, okay? He said, man, you know, 300 yards, I could probably do it. 200 yards, I know I can do it and i'm like would you feel comfortable shooting my rifle <clears throat> and like i said sorry if i'm redundant guys but but we th- this is what happened we got the 338 norma mag out we proned out i've got the load development worked out i know what the dope is on any given day temperature humidity barometric pressure elevated everything i've got it all written down i've got it all integrated into a ballistics program a trimble nomad you know with a vector for rangefinder, it ranges to the tenth of a yard. How precise do you want to get? Hand load every single round with a round that's got like a G7BC of freaking 6.6. Maybe I'm a little bit over on that, but it's crazy. We're eliminating as many variables as we can by, by a guy that wants to use a rifle system that extends his range from 200 yards to a half a mile is a force multiplier that probably most guys will never understand and we walked a hunter through it last year a 65 year old guy that had a once in a lifetime elk tag has been applying for 18 years and there was no way we would ever got his tag filled with his system ever but what did we do I carried the rifle for him. We laid down out here on, on our range. I, John set a target out there. At, uh, there was one at 800 yards, and then there was one at 1,150. He nailed both of them within his first two shots. I dialed it. He shot. He nailed it. <clears throat> Excuse me. We knew that he could pull the trigger. The main thing is if the guy can pull the trigger and has proper fundamentals, and the guy knew how to shoot. He knew how to hunt. He just didn't have the capability with his options. He didn't have, he he just wasn't an avid long-range shooter. So we extended that for him. We maximized his capabilities, and he ended up shooting his elk at like, I want to say 500 yards. I'm pretty sure it was right around 500 yards, which is a walk in the park for the normal. You don't even take that thing out till you're shooting over 800, but on elk, you know, it's a little bit different story. They're a tough animal. So it, 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 for those of you guys that I can completely agree, you guys watch us do predator hunts, okay? You watch us coyote hunt. Why in the hell do I want to have a 4,000? There's a lot of guys out there that drop $4,000 on coyote hunting equipment nowadays. Easy. It's crazy. Then you want to talk about thermal and night vision, which we're going to next podcast. We got Tyler Adair coming up, which is going to be boom. That guy's a freaking awesome guy to work with i still think we need to record that through a thermal or night vision we probably will you shouldn't have said it no that's we will but so that's what the, the like the guys we're not bad-mouthing guys that don't want to invest the money that's fine man like i said earlier there was a lot of guys out there that bad mouth other companies they do and 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 i get it you know if you're a gm dealer on one side of the street and you're a Ford dealer on the other sure why is my product better than yours there's room for competition but guys, with the shit show that we've got going on here, man, the the comments that we're seeing from other guys—if if somebody is a snake oil salesman, we'll call them out. We will, you know. If somebody's just taking your money for no reason, hundred percent, there's 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 room to go. You know what? This isn't right. But you don't need to shit on someone just to sell your product. Exactly, and that's what's happening. Guys are just—I mean, it's it's a cutthroat thing. Like we said, there's nothing wrong with it, but. In this day and age, man, we guys that are similarly like-minded like us, hunters, shooters, outdoorsmen, sportsmen, it's really easy to get jealous. It's really easy to wish somebody to go down the wrong way because of jealousy, because you don't like what they do, because you can't afford it, because you, you it's, it's not within your reach. That doesn't mean that you should... Disagree with them to such an extent that, that you hope that they fail. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll fail themselves if they can't do it right. But man, in this day and age, like I said, with everything that's going on, the whole shit show that's going on, it, it, we got to hang together. You know, We have to hang together because in the end, we will hang apart if we don't. That's not my saying. But that's 100% the truth of what will happen. So, you know, rant over we had Aaron on. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We went over a ton of information. Uh, I'm working on a series of reviews right now on custom rifles. Everybody from LRI that fabricated them to Travis Stevens that fabricated a couple to our Gunworks exclusives that we have built and equipment from Ultimate Night Vision that we're gearing them with for night hunting. So we've got a a bunch of of video reviews that we're going to be putting together podcasts are awesome content man we get jacked up like i said we were a little bit strapped for time here john and i had to go to an elk meeting uh we could go into detail about that we'll probably do a podcast on that sometime that'd be a cool one to do just and go over in detail about guys that uh (laughs) just crazy ass stories because there's a lot of them a lot of them no names Guys might know who we're talking about, but no one will ever know who you are, but they're freaking crazy, fun, stupid stories. And uh, like at the meeting, what we were talking about, it's a massive depredation uh, occurrence. They want, guys, landowners are pretty upset with the state, and they want to be able to gain access to easier elk tags for personal use, which, like I said, I agree with all of the landowners and and you know the sportsmen are going to come the sportsmen are going to complain about it because they have tags the fact of the matter is what we what we're doing here is we're scrutinized a lot scrutinizing a lot of the hunters because the elk need to be killed I mean we killed like 30 of them here last year I told John on the way home our goal is 50 this year And, and we can do it but we have to have the shooter's mindset behind them they have to be able to pull the trigger yeah. they have to be able to to what we're going to do is we get a lot of people that are you can just tell they may not be athletic they may not be able to shoot a gun we we are setting each hunter out that stays here that wants to hunt our ground and they are shooting groups and they have to have
2: equipment that can do
1: it i mean that does
2: you don't have to have a thousand ten thousand dollars setup, whatever but your equipment has to be capable
1: of it and like this season, the early season, the depredation season, most of the shots are going to be closer range. For guys, they've just got to be able to sit it out and wait it out. But then again, that kind of goes back into we should just do a whole we'll just do a whole separate podcast on that because like that goes back into like we have a guy out here that might have a group of guys with three tags and they sit there for 3 days, 4 days and they don't see an elk or they do, but it's out of range for them and then Day five, after they leave, we're out in the same field and boom, an elk walks out right in front of us. That's what a lot of these landowners are like, you know what, man? And they're right. We, they're right. We know where the elk are. We see them more than anybody else. We have had awesome success with the elk hunters, with the sportsmen that are here, but there's still room for more to be killed. And by allowing us to do it, guys like us that shoot a lot, that hunt a lot, that can do it discreetly and still give away the meat or fill somebody's tag that's what a lot of the meeting was about so it was it was kind of it was actually a pretty heated discussion to tell you the truth and and so we we had that meeting for an hour we had to cut it short we left we got back here we had to set that camera up we had to set that camera up right there we had to get the freaking sd mini card wiped because john loaded five trucks today and i was out bailing for 4 hours putting up a couple hundred bales before this rain and it's raining right now so Man, this is a busy time of the year. It's something every single day, all day, and we just had to make it work. And we're glad that Aaron uh, would take the time, schedule us in, get a ton of information out there. And like I said, guys, if if you guys are interested in what we're doing, you have any questions, be sure to uh, hit us up on Instagram. Be sure to um, send us an email, uh, message us, or reply on YouTube or even on on the anchor podcast, you know, iTunes and Spotify. You guys can leave us messages or favorite us however you want to do it. We're we're going to try to get to a million listeners. We're at like 15,000 right now. 15,000 listens, not listeners, but listens. So, 20 the, of them are me. I've probably listened to my own too. So, but the more you get out there, the more interesting guys that we get, the more we ramble, probably lose some listeners, but how we do it we hope you guys enjoy it so that's kind of a, a rundown of the situation you got anything that you want to talk about that anything with that we went over on that deal
2: uh only thing i can think of is that i'm gonna go try and find some honeycombs and what uh heavy whipping cream half probably, and half my, my camera
1: is gonna run out but that's all right that's funny yeah that's what aaron said you guys probably heard it at the very beginning if you we might just let that all run on the probably will hell yeah we will why not so with that said guys like i said jacked up about this be safe out there we know it's a crazy time uh reload we're gonna start doing some podcasts on reloading i'm working on a reloading video right now if you guys haven't be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel check out The Onealops Instagram, Facebook pages, the website. We're getting a whole bunch more t-shirts made right now, guys. We know it's a crazy time. Shipping and everything. I've had guys ask us about our fitted hats made in Texas. Uh, Tons of stuff, guys. Be sure to check out our podcast here on the Anchor platform. It's also on Spotify and iTunes if you search Predator Hunter. Or James O'Neill or O'Neill Ops. I'm sure you'll find it. We also have it up on a separate playlist on our YouTube channel. You guys can find it if you navigate through it. Once again, guys, I'm James O'Neill, your host with the O'Neill Ops podcast. We had John O'Neill. Our guest was Aaron Davidson at Gunworks. We are out